In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. What is Christianity without the cross? Who is Jesus? Who's Jesus without the cross? Jesus without the cross is a nice man who taught people to do nice things. And he did nice things. And he helped people, and he taught people what to do and not to do. Nothing really special. Now, there are many different versions of Christianity. There's, there are different versions of Jesus. I think the world, the world wants to try to uh, run away from, from any type of suffering or pain. So what the world does is, it creates a, uh, a fluffy type of Jesus. Like, if you follow Jesus, then he's going to make everything perfect in your life. Everything's just going to be easy. If you give enough money to the church, he's going to give you whatever you want. That's called prosperity gospel. A gospel that just teaches about prosperity and really is hidden in a desire for power and luxury and comfort. However, Jesus today reminds us as Christians that Christianity is not meant to be easy or comfortable. Jesus reminds us of the whole purpose of why he came. Jesus did not come to this earth like the apostles thought. The apostles are thinking like, Jesus is here because he's about to own and school these Romans who've been trying to mess us up for so many years, he's coming to own these guys. That's what he's coming to do. And I want to be on his right and on his left when he starts owning these guys. You know, I want to have all this power and this control and this status. The apostles are looking at Jesus. They're not understanding the whole entire purpose, his whole entire plan. They're looking at Jesus and they're looking at God from a very worldly perspective. And that is, God, give me power. God, give me luxury. God, give me control over my life. And I talked last week about how oftentimes when we come to God, we can come with not very pure intentions. Sometimes we can come, in a sense, using God for our own benefit, for our own agenda. Not really because we want to follow God. Not because we want to lay down our lives for God like he did for us. And so where does this lead us? It, le it leads us to exactly what happened with the apostles. The apostles are actually all mad at each other. The other ten are angry at these two guys like, who the heck do these guys think they are? They're asking for these, for these awesome like, places. I want that. I want to be at Jesus' right and his, at his left. What's going on here? There's a competition. There's comparing. There's jealousy. There's a lust for power. There's a lust for status. And you know what's funny? Is my favorite Khaltu in the whole entire gospel shows up today. Khaltu Zabadiya, I call her. Yeah. Can you imagine, like, the little old khaltu coming up to Jesus and saying, Jesus, put my son on the right and on the left. Right? Like, you better 
You know, get your, get your, like, get your mind right. Like, this is what you're doing, Jesus. But she says to him, command. Command that my son sit at your right and at your left. Like, she's commanding him what to do. Misunderstanding life, even. Thinking that life is really all about power and control. Comfort, luxury, and status. And the world today doesn't help us very much in this department because the world is teaching us to run away from any type of pain or suffering at all costs. Any type of pain or suffering, run away from it. Seek luxury. Seek comfort. Numb your pain and your suffering. Go numb it with drugs, with alcohol, with having fun, with all the pleasures of the world with making sure that you look perfect from the outside. Busybody yourself all day long at the gym, shopping, scrolling on your phone. Like The world is trying to create this padded reality that doesn't actually work. Because if you notice that the more we try to run away from any type of pain or suffering, the worse it gets. And Jesus says today that if you're going to follow me, if you truly want to follow me, he says, he says to them, you have to drink from my chalice. If you want this, this life with me, you want to sit on my right and on my left, if you want this, you also have to, you have to not just follow me in my glory, but you have to follow me in my cross. So he says to them, can you drink from my chalice? They're like, oh yeah, of course we can. I want that. They're probably thinking like, Jesus like, hey, do you want to pop a bottle of Camus right now? Jesus is probably not talking about Camus. Okay. Like, they have no idea. They're like, of course we can. Mm-hmm. They have no idea what he's talking about. He's talking about the chalice, the cup of his suffering. And as Christians, if we try to follow Jesus without the cross, we're not true Christians. We cannot follow Jesus. We cannot be real followers of it without the cross. Now, every time we talk about the cross or we talk about pain and suffering, the very first thing that comes up is a fear. Like, ooh, like we want to resist it. I don't want to suffer. I don't want pain. But what we don't, what we don't understand, what we forget oftentimes, is that in this life, whether or not we're following Jesus or not, there is pain and suffering. There are crosses. Things go wrong. Illnesses. Business problems. Family problems. Bad marriages. Bullying. Mental illness. Physical illness. You name it. There are tons and tons of little crosses, big crosses. Whether or not we follow Jesus or not, it is a lie that the devil tells us, if you get close to God... He just wants to make you suffer. That's what the devil tells us. To keep us away from getting closer to God. To keep us from really, truly uniting ourselves with him. So what do we do? We put God on the last, on the last part of our list of the day. And then what happens is, <laughs> the very opposite happens. The further we push away from God, the more our pain and our suffering actually gets worse. Because what Jesus is saying to us is, you don't need to drink your cup alone. I want to I carry it with you. 
I already suffered it for you. I want to suffer it with you today. I don't want you to suffer this, this difficulty of your marriage or your family or your illness alone. And so what we forget is that suffering is redemptive. Suffering and the cross are powerful. And if we truly surrender ourselves to the cross, there's a sweetness that comes. Because the more you try to fight the cross, actually the heavier it gets, and then you get crushed by it. Because we can't carry the cross on our own. We're not Jesus. Even Jesus didn't carry his cross on his own. And so, with our pain and with our sufferings that come each and every day, and like I said, it's big and small for each and every one of us, and at different times, that cross has a purpose. God has a purpose with our cross. He has a plan. He's accomplishing something. Just like if you look at Jesus on the cross, it looks like it's a fail. That looks like failure to me. Right? He's bound, he's nailed, and he's dying. What could possibly come from that? But in the midst of that cross, he is redeeming and he's binding Satan, he's closing the gates of hell, he's opening the gates of heaven. He's doing so much. He's changing the whole entire world, he's changing all of history in that moment on the cross. So if you feel like you're tasting right now a bitter chalice, we all are, some degree or another, I want to remind us of a few things that suffering can do if, if we accept and carry that cross. If we stop fighting, if we stop complaining, if we stop blaming God, like, God, why are you doing this to me? You know, we can do that, but we got to get over it. We can do that, it's fine. We can vent, we can cry. But when we turn away from him, it only gets worse. So one thing that suffering can do, if we accept the chalice, is that suffering humbles us. You know how the apostles are all seeking this status? What is a status really rooted in? It's rooted in an ego. We all have an ego. We all act like we're better than one another, to some degrees or other. We all struggle with pride. In one degree or another. Otherwise, we wouldn't gossip and we wouldn't compare and we wouldn't be jealous and we wouldn't be envious and we wouldn't be competing and we wouldn't be judging. And so what suffering can do is it purifies us from the ego, the love of self. It makes us realize that really we're not as great and amazing and, and awesome as we think we are. Suffering reminds us that, you know what? You are dust, and to dust you shall return. You're no better than your brother. Suffering puts us in our place. Suffering also can make us more compassionate. It can make us think about other people around us. It makes us realize that the world doesn't really revolve just around me. I'm not the only one in the world today. There are other people that are suffering and that are in need. And like Jesus says today, the Son of Man has come to serve, not to be served. Who doesn't want a server in their home? Who doesn't want somebody to pick up after them, clean for them, cook for them, serve them? We all want that. 
We all want life to be easy and perfect. But Jesus says, we need to serve one another. Are we serving one another? And sometimes when we're suffering, it makes us realize, it gets us out of that self, and it makes us feel for other people. We don't want to judge and jump on people so fast, because then we begin to think about, you know what, maybe that person's suffering just like I am. Suffering, my brothers and sisters, can also, most importantly, it can unite us to God and it can take our eyes and detach us from this world, take our eyes off this world and make us begin to think about God again. Because when everything goes going great and perfect and beautiful in this world, what happens? Forget about Jesus. Jesus is not that important. But when we're suffering, what do we do? We want to run to God. We want to seek help. So in your chalice, seek help. Run to Jesus. Don't run away from him. Accept the cross. You know what Jesus did? And I love it in the Passion of the Christ. If you see the movie, he grabs the cross and he, he hugs it and he kisses it. I die every single time. Every time. Because what do we do? We run away. And what Jesus is doing in that cross is so much greater. And then, you know what? You, usually, usually, later on in life, Jesus begins to show you, like, that's why you went through that pain and that suffering. And then you realize, you realize, like, all, you put all the pieces together, and you're like, wow, God, you're amazing. As much as I didn't want it, and as painful as it was at that time, I see how it brought me to where I am today. It builds character. And it actually begs the question, Do you really want to follow me? Do you still love me even if things are not going great? Will you still follow me? Are you a true disciple? And so a practical thing that I I want to challenge us to do this week or at least before Easter is to go to the stations of the cross. I don't know if many of you got, I don't know, many of us do go, some of us don't, but the stations of the cross remind us of how much God Suffered. how much Jesus loves us, what he went through to save us. And when we realize what he went through, we're like, wow, whatever suffering that I have is nothing in comparison. And it humbles us. And it makes us want to love him more. It makes us want to carry that cross because we realize that he did it all out of love for us. And that in our pain and our suffering, he's not left us. He's with us. He's carrying it with us. So that as we go through these stations and we see Jesus falling and rising and carrying it and dying, we do it with him. So that little by little we fall and we rise and we die with Jesus so that at Easter we can rise with him in his glory. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit.